Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to season three of Get It Off Your Breast, the podcast that digs into all those issues really getting under your skin. I'm Emma Gannon. And I'm Leanna Bird. And we are so excited to be kicking off season three with a very, very special guest. It's singer, actress and mother and all around person extraordinaire. Uh, it's Paloma Faith. Hello, Paloma. Hello. Thanks for having us in your lovely... Um, we're in the dungeon. Well, it's like, it's a lovely studio and it's decorated beautifully as is the rest of your house. So thanks for having us. And we have Pleasure. a gym. So we who knows what we're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we are here to all get something off our breasts as ever. Um, Paloma, as our guest... Mm. We'd like to invite you to get something off your breast first. Thanks. My, uh, so we're going to start with um, people who feel compelled to hashtag how amazing their life is, like saying perfect marriage or hashtag, um, you know, mother changed my life for the better. <laughs> Or like hashtag uh, married my best friend or and they like post pictures of themselves and their marriages and their perfect couples or like with their perfect children that never have tantrums and always sleep through the night 12 hours and never ever have diarrhea <laughs> and or a scabby nose full of snot and I just really don't like those people because they make me feel like my existence is a bit rubbish and they also make me feel like I'm supposed to aim or aspire to have that and I don't. Like, sometimes I really, really hate the person I'm in a relationship with. <laughs> I'm not going to end it, but I just think it's really healthy sometimes to be, like, biggest beep in the world, hashtag, rather than, like... Oh my god, my soulmate. And it's not that easy, like actually being with the same person. I just think it's quite irritating when people give you that sort of false idea that you're supposed to like always love each other and like two minds and all that, like one mind hashtag. Mm. Do you know what's so interesting to me about that is I remember when I, I was researching for this talk I was doing on social media and relationships, one of the biggest stats that I wrote down was the more selfies you share of you and your partner, the more likely you are to break up. <gasps> and it made me feel better about the fact that I I try and get pictures of my boyfriend. He doesn't let me because he hates mm. selfies. And I just thought, oh, my God, maybe we will stay together longer then. It's working. My my partner has never once posted a photo of me and him ever. And I remember we've been together like 10 years. And at the beginning, I was a bit like, am Why I not important? You? Like you're sharing all these like little moments of your life. And he's like, no, because it's too precious and it's too private. And also he was like, why like if you're like saying to everyone like look at us we're so in love we're so in love aren't you aren't we so in love like 
that is almost when you start going, oh, you guys all right? Yeah. Because I, I think that with my friends, like, it's fine to like, you know, if you're having a moment and you want to share it, like that's totally your choice. But when you're kind of, when I see friends again and again and again posting, I do worry if their relationships are a little bit in trouble. So maybe all these hashtag my, my rock. rock, they're on the verge of divorce. <laughs> yeah, like my rock, definitely my rock. <laughs> my, my rock, rock right? My rock is splitting. Like you need to add on to the end of the hashtag, like the, the real subtitles there, the subtext rather. Yeah. Such a good point, though, about long-term relationships and how, I mean, I don't have children, but I'm imagining that once that's in the mix as well, like, it takes on another life of its own and you've got to keep working at it. Yeah, and, well, yeah, actually, we do work at it and it's really hard to, like, making sure that you spend time together and that you don't just, like, constantly give in to the exhaustion and that you don't put everything first, like... Because I've got a sort of life where I most evenings I'm booked up. Like People are like, shall we do this and shall we do that? And your partner who you live with is not as likely to plan something like two weeks ahead with you. And then when he's like, um, can we hang out this week and like go out on a date or whatever? And I'm like, no, because everyone asked me two weeks ago and every night but like my friends the meetings I've got like all that you rarely do it so it's really hard and then sometimes I just have to move stuff that's when mm. people say like you've got a book date night in yeah I can't do, I can't bring myself really to do date night I could, yeah but that's that's like loads of my friends are like you've got to do once you've had kids you've got to make sure you have your date mm. night once a week but I'm like, for me right now, I mean, my baby is younger than yours, but I'm like, if it's date night, we're both just like, should we watch Columbo and get Deliveroo and like just get an early night? And that's like our ultimate night. <laughs> it's like amazing. I'm going to go to bed yeah. early and have a nice bit of food. And yeah. It's interesting with women, the, the kind of correlation between sex and stress. And with women, it's like, mm. if you're stressed, you just don't want to do that. And I find that on holidays, I'm like a different person. And I'm mm. like, and he's like, oh, woo, you're like, totally relaxed yeah (laughs) and it's like there's nothing else to do (laughs) but with the whole like social media thing do you think there's like been a a bit of a shift of people trying to be a bit more honest and a bit more real because I feel like on my feet really maybe you're following the wrong people (laughs) I feel like when I first joined Instagram everyone was like perfect yeah but then it's like even feels contrived sometimes with that where people are like i just want to share that i'm like my body image but it's like when it's too i don't know it's really hard it's like a catch-22 because sometimes it feels like that can feel like a bandwagon in equal measure like i do obviously i'm like most people quite addicted to social media but I do think sometimes the oversharing nature of it, whether it's positive or negative, can be a bit like, oh, uh, is this a platform for that? Well, I suppose it's quite good. This Things like this, I mean, we're doing it now, we're sort of, I'm oversharing, and I suppose people's argument is like, oh, that's helpful to hear it. Mm. But I guess, like, I guess my, my um, comment wasn't necessarily about oversharing, it's about specifically hashtags, because... <laughs> I just want to refer back to that cultural thing of the hashtag. It's like summarising your entire feelings in a hashtag. It seems so contrived and a little bit dismissive of the reality of it. So it's like maybe it's really insightful and 
important sort of socially when somebody's like done a video where they're talking about I don't know body image or the like loneliness or mental health issues or you know relationships and the reality of it and that's really great but then when you put a hashtag underneath (laughs) that's just like (laughs) (laughs) life's hard but I think as well it's just like yeah you can't boil everything down to a hashtag no it's weird but I think also there's like there's a there's a point where like okay if you're sharing some of your life because you're having a really good moment and you feel like you know you want to share that but there's also you've got to think a little bit about people looking at your feed. They might not have that. So if you're going on like married my soulmate and you know my perfect life this and hashtag this and hashtag that, like you you have to be aware that a lot of people seeing that might feel shit about their own lives. And I think there is a little bit of a responsibility, especially if you've got loads of followers, to just like be a bit aware of not rubbing. If you have got this perfect life, which let's be honest, none of us do. For me personally, I I put up a nice positive picture when I'm feeling down because it's almost like put a red lipstick on yeah like go out and take a selfie or something and to heal yourself to almost be like I've got this no one else knows that actually I'm having a bad time so yes I'm probably lying but I'm also just trying to get through the day but that's probably what the relation that's what we're talking about with the relation one so if you had a massive row or like you're feeling a bit unloved then maybe you post a picture and be like my rock hashtag my rock because actually you're feeling a bit insecure and worried about your relationship so maybe that makes sense of what you said about the statistic but the human mind doesn't dissect things does it it just goes oh that person's really happy and I'm not yeah because when you're at home with your partner and you just had an argument about like something that flatmate should argue about like you said like this was a real one real talk can you change the batteries in the remote control no you do it if you wanted a flatmate then maybe you should move out (laughs) then you can write your name on the stuff of yours in the fridge and not be an idiot (laughs) not that he ever did that but I was like we might as well be because you won't Help me with the batteries in the remote. Really... Hashtag, please change the batteries in the remote <laughs> control. <laughs> I think a lot of people listening will be really comforted to hear that you have this because you do have a big platform and you do, from the outside, do fabulous things. And everyone is the same behind it all, but we just don't think that. But you, you're really, I think you I like looking at your Instagram because obviously you put the, you know, the lovely pics and all the rest and when you've got an album out and stuff and they're beautiful photos, but you also put like your real, like real talk ones up. Like when you're like in the gym, like going like, you know, got to get, got to work really hard and got to, you know, I'm sweating hard and it's really fucking hard and I fucking hate the gym. <laughs> like it makes me laugh because most of the people are just like, here's me pumping iron and I hashtag feeling strong, which great if you are, but you were like, I fucking hate I'm this. Never it's awful. I'm never feeling strong. I just want to clarify that. I'm always feeling <laughs> defeated and weak. The general, rule. but you don't see it, so it's <laughs> probably to the gym. <laughs> but it's probably quite nice to for people who do feel a bit rubbish to go. Well, even Paloma's feeling a bit rubbish, and you did. I think you did a wish list recently, didn't you? All your things, yeah. I and even I like so we're friends, but even I was like, Oh wow, like Paloma wishes some of the things that I wish too. And I it, it sort of makes you feel a bit better when people are honest like that. I have a social media team that like. I send what I want to post to and then they, because I don't really like hashtags, so they sort of add the hashtags because apparently it makes more people see it. I'm, and then I just have to like approve or disprove the hashtags they want to put, but I don't even know what they put under that. I hope 
it wasn't I'm going to message your, I'm going to message your management team and be like on the next one you do can you just slip in like without telling my hashtag my rock <laughs> <laughs> what were the hashtags on that the truth I wish working mums new year not so bad the truth's a bit <laughs> do you ever feel vulnerable though if you've if you've ever shared because I get that feeling of like oh I feel that feeling of I think Brené Brown, that amazing author, calls it a vulnerability hangover. You know, when you've overshared and then you just feel a bit like, I need to go and lie down now and I feel so exposed. I feel like that's been the story of my life, that vulnerability hangover. But I've sort of become so used to it that I just don't feel it anymore. Like, I just... I've realised, I just... Rather than worry about that, I just define myself as an oversharer and I'm just like hi, I'm a bit of an oversharer but what I like about that though is that I feel like people do it back Mm -hmm. so it sort of equals out, like I feel like I get a lot from life because I will talk to like random strangers about things, like um, I have conversations every day with people I don't know who open up and it's quite I think it's quite rewarding, um, more rewarding than if I didn't say anything and no one said anything to me. So I sort of feel like it's not something I should regret because I think I get a lot back from it. Mm. Do you know, that was one of the things when we first became friends, though, that I loved about you because you would like, we were having a chat and obviously it would be like when we first were friends, we didn't know each other that well. Whatever. And you would just say things that I would only like say to like my best mate. But do you know what I mean? You just would go like, like it was just, it just used to crack me up. But I was just like, this is so refreshing because you just like say something about like sex or about like life, whatever, that was like just really to the point and so true. So you call it oversharing, but I think it's just honesty. And also, like with writing, I remember one of my editors was saying, "If you're not nervous when you're about to press publish, then there's why are you doing it. Like you should be a little bit scared, actually, if you're mm. going to share something." Yeah. yeah, I'm friends with two writers, a sort of girl who's up and coming, written some stuff, and Hanif Qureshi, and he is like one of my favourite writers. Mm. And I went to him once, and I was like, "Oh, my friends just." published this book called La Famille, she's French, about her family and they all hate her. And he said, you're not a good writer if your family don't hate you for what you wrote. <laughs> I That's love brilliant. that. <laughs> That's brilliant. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Right, so what I wanted to get off my breast today is there's been recently um, a lot of talk online and social media, etc., and in the press about um, nappy changing and in particular like dads changing nappies. And it all kind of stemmed from... An interview Russell branded, and I don't really want to talk too much about that because I always think interviews can be a little bit out of context and, you know, if that person isn't there to kind of really explain their words. But effectively, Russell kind of at some point said in it that he doesn't really do changing nappies. And everyone got really, really upset. And I kind of slightly felt like, so what in a way? Like, if if his if he just doesn't really like it and his wife does, but he maybe does, like, other stuff to balance it out, like does all the laundry or, I don't know, you know cooks every night or something like maybe in a couple you just find your groove of like who likes to do what more now if she's like sitting there crying going help me with the dirty nappies and he's like I'm not interested no way it's not a man's job obviously that's a whole different story but I just feel like and it got me thinking about nappies like people put so much emphasis that that when they're not parents on nappies and like dirty (laughs) nappies and having had a baby now for like nearly 10 months I just also want to say to people nappies are not that big a deal they're really not like they're you know you just get used to it very very quickly and my partner and I both do the nappies and we both quite this sounds weird but both quite enjoy it because they sit there and their little legs are kimbo and they look at you and they giggle and they find it hilarious and they kind of like hold their little legs up for you and it's quite like a little bonding moment I find anyway um and I just think it's not that big a deal and actually like what we should be focusing on is like how much they're supporting each other so like are you supporting your partner to help them get enough sleep and you know share that and are you trying to like make sure they have a little break when they need a break and like I just yeah I just think everyone needs to forget about nappies and focus on more about like support for each other so was that Russell Brand piece mainly about the nappies because from the excerpts I read it he he was almost saying oh I'm not good at that stuff so I leave it to the wife and it was almost like quite backwards yeah but I think well so I didn't read the entire interview but I read the excerpts and the way I read it was he was saying like there's certain things that she's really brilliant at and I'm not and everyone jumped on it because they were kind of more traditionally female things that he was saying she's good at but again, like we don't, she's not there to speak for herself and maybe he's offered to do it, but she just actually quite likes it. Like I'm quite organized. So I will do certain things that my partner won't, but he is much more like into doing like the laundry and tidying than me. But I just think like every couple needs to find their own groove. And if they're happy with the division of labor and they've got it down and she's not begging for help when he's going, no, it's beneath me then it's not really anyone else's business. And I, I don't know, I just always think interviews can be taken a bit out of context. And everyone kind of, all these dads were jumping online being like, I change nappies, I change nappies. And I was like, but it's yes, like but do you get up at night? Yeah, do you get up at night when the baby's crying? That's more important. <laughs> do you help put them to sleep when they're screaming their heads off? Like, that's way more important. I'll change a thousand nappies if someone would take away an hour of crying for sleep <laughs> for any day. I'm at that stage with my kid where they're two and... Everyone keeps saying potty training and I'm just like, no, I don't want to because nappy's really convenient for me. I thought you were going to say really fun. No, (laughs) just like really convenient because you know when they've been, you know how many times, you know what consistency it was, (laughs) you can tell whether they're ill, whether they're well and you don't ever have to like have an accident or run through a bathroom or whatever so everyone acts like like you were saying like as if changing nappies is like the hardest bit of parenthood when actually I think it's quite a nice bit of uh, like a convenient thing yeah 
I feel like the worst bit of parenthood's probably lack of sleep. And, yeah. And then the guilt, probably, as well. The actual guilt of, like, going to work and leaving your child or not being there or whatever. Yeah. And I think, in your case, that happens. And I'd imagine... In Russell's case, I don't know much about his relationship, but I'd imagine he feels a bit bad when he leaves yeah. to go to work. Mm. Of course. And, like, you know... I do. And I just think, yeah, everyone likes to, to judge other parents, but every family is kind of different and they have to get their balance right. And when I know people who've, you know, been with him with his kids, they've said he's really hands-on. But, again, it's not really... Like, if... I think if it was a woman saying, like, I've never changed a nappy, my husband does it all, everyone would be like, go husband, what a great guy. And they wouldn't think for a second that it was, like, a terrible thing. They'd just be like, isn't that lovely? And I don't know, I just... yeah. I'm I sure think... there are relationships like that, though, where yeah. the woman doesn't want yeah. to change. Well, I know my, I go to work and most of the nappies are changed by my partner. Yeah. It's just not that big. Do, do you, Emma, as a non-parent, do you, like, do you, have the you thing of, like, the uh, nappies? Are you, like, freaked out? I've changed the nothing. It was, yeah, it was intense. But it was, <laughs> it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Can I just obviously. also say that it doesn't matter how new man you are, you still don't do as much as us. Like, you, like, grow the person, and then you have to push it out, which is basically like shitting a watermelon or whatever, or it comes out of the sunroof, in my case. And then... You create its food source for the first six months of its life in your body or bottles, either one. But even if, even when I switched to formula, my kid still just wanted me and still does now. And I'm not complaining about that. But I do feel like um, the new age thing of like, sometimes it's just like, you know, when people say like, we're pregnant. Like, no, you asshole. You have no idea how awful this is. Yeah, I that's a walk. real phrase now. Like, they are pregnant. Or we did it. <laughs> no, you didn't. You stood and watched your person that you love the most in the world nearly die. I, I can't stand the we're pregnant thing as well. Because you're not. And we're, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you're not. You're actually not. You're, yeah. you know, we're having a baby fine. I'm really, I think it's brilliant that, like, this is happening and that there are actually, like, out there, there are single parent fathers, for whatever reason, raising their kids single handedly. Of course there are. Fantastic. But the actual thing of, like, the trauma of giving birth is so unavoidably terrifying and awful it's like change the nappies please for so many years we've analyzed the role of motherhood and it's just it's it's just interesting now that we're analyzing all of the different facets of fatherhood i think it used to be so one-dimensional right that it is it has to be like a shared experience and it has to be equal in my case like i'm the breadwinner so where ours is like an unconventionally distributed relationship, but I still feel like it's equal, even though it's the opposite to what is traditionally done. Like I definitely, and I do expect like things like sometimes um, my boyfriend thinks I'm a misogynist because like I'll like go out to work and go I'm really tight. Can you make me some dinner? <laughs> and he's like, 
You're really basically a misogynist. You're the, you're a 1950s man now, yeah. basically. <laughs> You've morphed yeah. into a 50s man. But Noel does too. Like Noel also, he's like he likes hoovering and cleaning, and I don't really. But that's something I didn't really. Like with motherhood, I was totally down to like basically give my life up to a small person for at least like a year or, you know, more, however long, whatever. And I was like, I'm, you know, prepared to be the primary caregiver and to do all that. And I was saying the other day, I was like, I was totally down for that and prepared. And I'm so happy to do that. Like, obviously, it's tough at points, but it's amazing as well. And it's the best thing. So I'm glad to do that. But what I didn't sort of think about was the increase in sort of the domestic side of it because you're home with them more and you're making food for them all the time. You end up doing doing just like loads of laundry and cleaning and washing up and making food and cooking and then cleaning again. And you're constantly cleaning. And I was like, I was so prepared to like basically give up my life for a while to be a mum, but I wasn't prepared to give up my wife for a while to be a, a housewife or like or a cleaner. Yeah, like it's just not what I realised. And I think that's something that is a bit of a... A shock but I also think what you were saying about it always being different like one of the things that's always going to be different for women is 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 the kind of society expectations so you know you're talking about the whole guilt thing like, I think if you're a guy and you go out to work like of course you might miss your child of course you might feel guilty for not seeing them but you don't necessarily have as much judgment or feel as much judgment from other people I feel like even that from my mother do you what for my mother was a single parent mum and she went to work, and I feel like almost she projects her guilt of what she did with me onto me. So every mm. time, like, she texts me and she's like, oh, how are you both, or whatever, and I'm like, oh, not sure, because I'm at work. I always get the reply, poor child. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm just like... Ah! You should back that go, which one, me or my yeah. child? Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like, yeah, it's like total... Especially if it's on a weekend, like it's, wor- it's worse. Yeah. Sometimes I have to remind myself, and I know it's gone off on a tangent from the nappies, but sometimes you have to sort of say, um, this isn't actually horrible, what you're doing. Like, you know, if your kid's upset because you're walking out the door, sometimes I have to go, it's okay because you're making money to, like, support this child. Mm. But also... One day they'll grow up and be like, wow, yeah, look yeah, at what you did. Exactly. Or they'll be like... Like, I know both my parents. I didn't live with both of them, but they were both really hard-working. And I think I attribute a lot of my work ethic to that. Like, they really both worked all hours and it made me just think, well, that's what you do. And I think the other thing is, like, you, you, you're never yeah. gonna, you're never gonna stop feeling that. Like, I basically, for the last nine months, I've been working like very, very part time, like doing podcasts and radio. But you know, I'm really lucky enough to be able to to do that. To basically have had that this year at home, pretty much for my baby. But I've still had the guilt of going, oh, what if I'm not working enough? And what if she grows up and thinks I'm just some like, yeah, like some, if you do, and I don't inspire do. her to go out and think that she can achieve the world and like god i need to actually like work really hard and do this and you just constantly put pressure yeah. on yourself to like to basically be everything to we be... conclude me and my mm. one of my backing singers in my band's got a child the same age as mine and we just did a tour in australia and it was 10 days or something so it wasn't really long and then we both had the discussion like are you bringing yours are you bringing and one of us she didn't bring hers and I brought mine and we both concluded that 
it was damned if you do and damned if you don't. She was felt guilty. She missed her. She felt awful. And I just, like, could not cope because the jet lag and the baby waking up and going on stage and, like, doing the work was, like, so much. And we were both just like, you're screwed. Either way, you're screwed. It's like you can't have it all, maybe, or all at the same time. But you you know what's funny? Like, I think we put so much pressure on yourself. And then the other day I was chatting to my mum and I said to her, I was chatting away and I went, well, you know, and you didn't work when I was a kid. And she just looked at me and went, I did. And I was like, what do you mean? She went, I worked until you were six. And then my mum ended up being an artist. So she started working again, like when she was old, when I was about 15, she got a studio and stuff. But I thought she hadn't worked. And actually she worked every morning so she worked like she left the house at eight and worked like nine to one and was back at two from the age of zero till I was six I don't even remember that I think I think of her as a stay-at-home mum so like all this pressure like your backing singer worrying about this 10 days like she probably like the kid probably won't even remember that and like actually we'll just have all the brilliant wonderful memories and probably has a really great time with the other parent or whoever's looking after them so I think we pile all that on ourselves and the reality of it is like it's actually just us that's giving ourselves this hard time and no one else really going back to the Russell Brand thing like I think what you just said is kind of I think a child's life's really exciting when it's communal Mm. like mine felt communal like because I had a single parent so it's automatically a bit more communal like Mm. you're always with different people and stuff I think that was really good for me because I became sociable and I'm quite good at and comfortable in lots of different situations Mm. And sort of going back to what Russell said, like, if he is somebody who never changes nappies but does loads of other stuff and then there are other people involved that do. Yeah. Like, it's quite good for a child to, like, have lots of experiences of different people doing different... And what was interesting is off the back of it, there was loads of people, I think David Badil was one, and he was saying, and I totally agree with this, like, if you if you aren't changing your child's nappies, like, fine, but actually I think you're missing out on a little moment. And I, I do, I think, like, I think there's loads of different parts of parenting and some of them are fun and some of them are, like, hard or a bit annoying or whatever, but even if they're a bit hard or a bit annoying, you're still gaining something from it and I thought that was quite nice to see lots of dads and mums as well saying like every part's good and like you know if you even if you just do it occasionally it can be a sweet little moment yeah this has changed my mind a bit um, if I'm being honest because I was really judging him at first I was like please don't go in the national press being like oh don't do nappies because I was like there are so many young men that follow you and your comedy and you acting like it's not cool to change a nappy could like impact them in a negative way but I guess what you guys are saying is so true that it's we don't know, do we? We don't, we don't, know, we don't know if it's that he doesn't do them because he every won't lower different. himself to that, or if he doesn't do it because his wife really loves doing it and they have a little moment and he has other things that he yeah, is, is yeah. really good at. But I think also it was interesting because there were people talking about it off the back of that about the same when you talk about working in care homes and actually they were saying like it's not that's not problem at all. Like there's loads of things about our jobs that are hard, but ch- like helping someone with their like go to the toilet or like helping is actually like becomes very quickly like just normal and actually you're just helping them it's just another part of feeding them or looking after them whatever and it's not a big deal and everyone kind of being grossed out by it like it just 
the same as when it's, you're changing a nap of your baby. Like, the growth factor disappears very, very quickly. And If you get good at it, it's not all over your hands and face. People are imagining well. that we're eating it. <laughs> I mean, we've, like all, we've all had a bit in our face, let's be honest. I'm not going to lie, it was really runny and, like, quite green when I changed That's my... when they're tiny, when they're yeah, just on milk. So... Yeah. But I heard about this contraption that my, um, that my boyfriend's brother has where it, like, sucks up the nappy into, like, a chain of, like, kind of balls... Yeah. And it's like a sausage of nappies yeah. and it can see oh, yeah, the yeah, smell. Yeah, I've got that. It's Amazing. Tommy to- the Tommy Tiffy. Yeah. In the last few weeks, I don't know why, but maybe it's my resting bitch face, but a lot of well-meaning men, I'm sure, like to tell me to cheer up or to smile. And it's never aggressive. It's always just like a bit passive aggressive. And A, I never know what to say. And B, this has been... I'll tell you what to say. Oh, please do. This <laughs> is an ongoing saga now on TV because Good Morning Britain did a whole debate around whether it is harassment because on paper it's a man telling a woman or vice versa what to do with their body. And that was the debate on TV and it got really heated and I wanted to open it up. Do you think it's harassment? And also, what do I say when people do it? I have said I've just been diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. (laughs) (laughs) What do they say? You can imagine. Oh, sorry, really sorry. I know it's really horrible and dark to make something up. Something could have happened. But I do think that it's like the mirror in the face of like, actually, something really bad could have just happened, and it's none of your business whether I'm happy or not. So. But I do, I think uh, Cheer Up loves a bit, it's a bit flirtatious, like, mm. um, smile, it may never happen. That's, that's the one the I one. hate. And it's like, well, what if it just, like you said, what if it just has, like, you no don't know. No one knows what mm. you've, what's happened to you. So I do, I do find it annoying, that presumptuous thing. Like, oh, and the like, you really... perform for me because you're a woman and you're meant to look pretty and nice and smile at me. Like, that, that's what I don't like about it. But the interesting debate about is it harassment, I actually don't know where I land on it because the woman who was on the panel was saying, well, it is because it's the root of a bigger problem, which is, like, a man intimidating you and telling you what to do. That is the root of, like, a bigger patriarchy. He was saying, silly feminists, um, always getting annoyed about these tiny things. Like, this is a tiny issue and we're, like the airtime that this is taking up actually could be focusing on bigger issues. Yeah, but have but you ever it's... met a man who's ever had a woman say to them, cheer up, love? Because I haven't. No. And, and would that and guy I've have asked. said to a big six-foot-seven rugby player or something, he wouldn't say cheer up to him, would he? But I also think that argument of, well, we could be talking about bigger issues is, like, the ultimate what about it. It's like, whenever you talk about, like, a charity thing or whatever, people are like, but what about this person? What about that? And it's like, you could play that game forever. You could always do, like, top trumps of, like, what's the most important issue? What's the most important yeah. charity? It's like, it doesn't mean it's not worthy of talking about just because, like... You're, like other things going on. Yeah, otherwise Good Morning Britain would basically pick like the most awful topic in the entire world and that would be 24-7 on our news channels and we talk about nothing else because nothing else is as important. But yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that argument is just a bit sort of moot. But whether it's harassment or not, I suppose that's like... I think like, harassment's quite a strong word, personally. Yeah. I mean, what's like the legal definition of harassment, I suppose? But I do think like it's more about like an education. It's like saying to guys like, okay, you may be well-meaning. You may think going like smile love is like a nice thing, but actually it's not because it's kind of saying to women, 
you have to constantly walk around being nice and pleasant and cheery yeah. and you know you being in a bad mood or whatever is like anti our kind of image of women and like you're either a bitch or you're like moody or you're I don't know like what's wrong with being in a bad mood for a day what's wrong with just like not I wanting think, to yeah, be the smiling the expectation of people to always be happy is just ridiculous anyway yeah it's like when like obviously in my job like sometimes I'll be in the rush and and I, once I've been on the phone and like somebody said excuse me can I get a picture with you and I was on the phone discussing something really like crucial and I said look sorry I'm in a rush I'm in the phone call and then I went online later that day and this person had said that I was a rude bitch because I wouldn't stop my phone call to do so it's like it's a strange kind of expectation it's similar Mm -hmm. to that of like all women have always got to be smiling and gorgeous and attractive and like also quite maternal I think people crave that all the time and it's negative if you're not and that's really bad Mm. um yeah and it's the same with um like if you're on a panel or something and you're talking about something I got feedback once that like I shouldn't be too frowny when I'm talking because it like turns people off and they won't listen to you as much you have to like put in a smile when you're talking, because then so people are like, annoying. But again, no one would say that to a guy. They would be quite like, you don't get someone saying to Jeremy Paxman, can you smile a bit more often? Do you know what I mean? I, know. <laughs> I just think like, you think it's quite like, oh, you know, you're, you're a powerful, serious man and you, you know, you're, you're no, going to be taken. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And it's exactly. like, brood, it's like brooding if a man's scowling, but the media are obsessed with like grumpy Victoria Beckham and Kristen Stewart, who never smiles on the red carpet. It's like, it is a. I think it is more of a female thing. Like we never say that about male celebrities. I also. This is like a complete tangent. But I also recently, I'm like horrified with like the media's obsession with every single move that Meghan Markle makes. I just think it's insane. <laughs> I saw. An, I saw an article the other day. It was saying that she's basically responsible for like gang murders because she eats avocado <laughs> and i was like the poor woman. because apparently like the avocado like farming it's like being taken over by gangs or something but it's like oh, poor mega margle she's, she, she's like pregnant hounding and honestly like the comments underneath it was like yeah smug bitch like exactly like her eating you know enjoy your avocados at other people's expense of death and it was just like it was just like <laughs> what else they also blame millennials by the way in that article as well it was oh, like megan and the millennials it was well just... millennials can't buy houses because they spend their money on avocados yeah of course but this Obviously. is it's just this obsession with like there's a woman and she's just you know she's there she's married to one and of course like she's not above scrutiny because she's in the public eye but like this obsession with like every little thing she'd like every little move and it's i think like a lot of media do that with women like way more than with with guys i think i don't know it's... well it's the same with like the motherhood father chat i think like it's mothers it's like where's your child how are you well, at lily work allen today? Had that, didn't she she said lily allen there was an article and she was in a car with chris martin and they were both leaving like i don't know grammys or some award and they were both been driven off and everyone went like lily mother of two leaving her you know kids to go to party and she was like do you know that chris has got kids too and he's also out and like why is no one upset about this father deserting his children you just such double standards wow our topics all related pretty weirdly then it was <laughs> hashtag nappies and smile <laughs> well thank you very much thank Lola, you for having us so thank you so much. hearing me eat you can enjoy your dinner now thanks for having <laughs> us
Thank you so much for listening to yet another juicy episode of Get It Off Your Breasts. Don't forget to click to subscribe to make sure you don't miss any further episodes. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.